welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. In our time today, in our last sermon in the series on deconstruction, I'd like to talk about today, I declare war. I declare war. Father, this is the season for seriousness. And um, God, your people haven't picked up their weapons yet. God, today, We must treat these times what they are, battle times. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. You may be seated. I declare war. Um, when 9-11 happened, my sister and my oldest nephew worked for the government. And my nephew was in the Pentagon when it was hit. And all of us, of course, if you're from that area, you, you were calling your family who you know worked in that area of Virginia, which is it's actually Virginia, not D.C., And we're calling all around trying to find our family members. And it was hours upon hours upon hours. And all we kept seeing was footage. And there was just no way to find out how my sister was doing at the point. And and my nephew was doing. And even friends. One of my best friends worked at the Pentagon at that time. And, and, And we were trying to find all of our family members and friends. And then finally, we got phone calls from each of them letting us know that they were okay. But one of the interesting things as they began to describe the attack is they described the attack as something no one ever expected. They they talked about the sound that it made when it hit the ground. They talked about the dust that was everywhere, the screaming people. My nephew had to walk from Virginia through D.C. to Maryland home. All public transit was shut down, so everybody had to walk. And one of the things that, that, that people, even people we knew, began to say, it looked like a war zone. They said people were literally walking around bloodied and dusted and just walking in a daze. Women with their pocketbooks on, people with no shoes on, and just walking in a daze. And, 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 and they said they were walking in a daze because they, they just could not understand and wrap their minds around what happened. And every time I go to the airport now, I'm reminded of 9-11. The reason why I'm reminded of 9-11 because 9-11 changed so many things, particularly as it pertained to airplane travel. It should have. Because if anyone ever attacks you, you should never operate the same way ever again. 
When you go to the airport, I remember back in the day, you could just walk up like it was Greyhound and give them your ticket. But because there was an attack, there were some security measures that was put in place. There's some x-rays that have to happen. I can't just let you in. I got to see what you up to to see whether or not there's some danger. Because if there's some danger, I'm going to have to take the necessary measures to stop another attack from happening the same way it did again. And we like believers. We are believers today. I believe we're like those who are in shock. And we're walking around, many of us, because of what we're going through. Because some of us are in intense spiritual warfare right now. We, we saw it a few weeks ago when God spoke to us in the middle of the service and talked about the intensity of the warfare that many of us are going through. And many of us are still walking around like the people from the Pentagon and from the Twin Towers and we're in a daze. When are you going to make the adjustments? When are you going to get tired of the enemy just coming in your life and doing what he wants to do? You're going through all types of spiritual attacks. You're going through relational attacks. You're going through career attacks. You're going through family attacks. You're going through financial attacks. You're going through emotional attacks. You're going through psychological attacks, church and ministry attacks. You're going through marriage attacks. You're going through identity attacks, purpose attacks, and dignity attacks. Huh. The words, some of the words and phrases that you've heard in your spirit, it's been whispered in your ear, has been quit. Quit. Let go. Nothing, nothing really matters anymore, does it? Run. Run. This whole thing is a joke. I know you heard it. End it all. Nobody will care. End it. Go in the bathroom. Take those pills. Lay in the bed. And let it happen. No one loves you. God doesn't even see you anymore. There is no God. You're going to die. So many of these things have been whispered in many of our minds. And we have to begin as believers to say enough is enough. I know you're weak. I know it's been a lot, but you still have to put on your armor. And the question is, and the, and the inferences is, is that armor is for the weak. I'll, 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 I'll let you know. I'll let you know why in a second. But armor was particularly made for us when we're weak. It, it's, it's, it's important that you recognize that. And you'll see that in, in a second. That's why this whole deconstruction thing is about, really, it isn't about all of the other fluffy things out there. It's really about stopping you and stopping God's mission and stopping God's glory. And if the enemy can keep you discouraged and think you're, on, you, you're the only one going through a bad time and that your time is not worse than anybody else's time, if he can isolate you, isolate your thinking, make you live in your thoughts versus God's word, he's got you. He's got you. 
So Satan's job is to war against you until you disbelieve or become so wounded as a soldier that you function as a civilian. See, many of you, and I don't want to get into it earlier, y'all are functional civilians. Listen, many of you don't function as, you function as Christians in the sense of the Christianity that you like. But I'm letting you know, and I'm speaking to you, that there is coming a season where the Christianity that isn't liked is the most necessary. It's coming. The season's coming. And I myself have been dreading it because I like comfort. I like my preferences. But God is saying to us, there's coming a season where you're going to have to put on your stuff and soldiers in the battle can't act like furloughed civilians. So, the writer of Ephesians, Paul, the gospel globetrotter, says in verse 10, finally. (laughs) After everything I've said, this is the last thing I'm going to say. And he says, after you've seen who God is in chapter 1, finally. After you've seen your spiritual eyes open, finally. After you've realized how lost you were, finally. After you've realized that grace through faith saves you, finally. After you understand who the church is, finally. After you've seen the reality of the fact that you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, finally. He steps his foot in his text and he presses us in to finalize. After you've gotten all that information, let me sum it up. Soldier, let's go to battle. Said it's time to go to battle. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. I love this. And his vast strength. His 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 vast strength. That, 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 That that's just some old fly talk that Bible's doing. Just to talk about like you don't need to use your own abilities. Some, some, some of you saying, God, I don't feel strong. He says, good, you're a good candidate for me now. Because my power isn't made perfect when you think you can do it yourself. My power isn't made perfect when you thought your prayer made it happen. Uh, My power isn't made perfect when you thought you killed it that day. My power is made perfect when you feel destitute, when you feel frustrated, when you feel at the edge of your rope. And then God says, there it is. I can come in now because now I have none of your strength in the way of me pouring my strength into you. In his vast strength, us learning how to grow, grow, uh, how to draw on God's strength and God tells us in this text through Paul that the way to get God's strength is through putting on the armor (laughs) the the armor is the mechanism for God's strength how do I know because right after that in verse 11 he says put on 
the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. There it is, full armor. Somebody say full armor. He said a soldier doesn't go out with pieces on, he gotta put it all on. She gotta put everything on. You gotta put all of it on. This, this reminds me of, uh, of one of my favorite Marvel characters, Tony Stark. Tony Stark, AKA Iron Man. He's a pretty smart and intelligent dude. But when the Avengers go out to battle, he doesn't run out there as Tony Stark. As soon as Tony sees danger, he, puts, he pushes a button and holds his arms out. Because he knows that if he goes into that battle as Tony Stark, that he doesn't have the resilience of the Hulk. Uh, he doesn't have the fortitude and strength of, stole, of Thor. He knows that if he's going to go in his, this battle, he's a, he's a mere mortal with no supernatural strength. And so he knows that he has to call on a suit that can help him to do things that in himself as Tony Stark that he can't do in and of himself. And so in that moment, he pushes the button and holds out his arms. And when that happens, the armor comes on and then there's somebody inside named Jarvis. Jarvis is able to tell him once the army is on what the enemy is up to how to attack the enemy where his strength levels are and he's also able to get hit and know the percentage of damage that he took and what it takes to reboot in order to get stronger in his suit I wish I had some Tony Starks in here that are inside some battles that know you need to push the button and open up your arms and lift your hands to heaven and put on the fool armor of God that you may be able to stand to stand means to endure to have a sense of fortitude in the midst of impossibilities stand when nobody else wants to stand stand when they're folding like tacos stand when they're getting dumped like cereal stand when they're getting fried like steak stand when they're getting dipped in grease like fries you stand against what and who the schemes of the devil. Um, a way of arranging things to make you fall. Deception, craftiness, and cunning is what it is. But let me give you a quick lowdown on how his schemes work. This is how it works. Y'all ready? First is marketing. Number two is molestation. I'm explaining them. And number three is mastery. Let me say it again. The first scheme of the devil is marketing. False advertising to draw you in, James 1. Each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust. Satan market, he's, listen, he is a beast at marketing 
He is, um, let me tell he's never, ever, ever going to make it look like what you think it should look like for you to run from it. He makes it look like something you should run towards. Marketing. Not only is he good at marketing, he's good at molestation. How does he do it? Counterfeit products that don't satisfy. Genesis 3. Counterfeit products that don't stand up against the test of things. I, I remember uh, we bought an appliance and we didn't buy the main one. You know, I ain't going to name it. We bought a version that's kind of like the main thing, but wasn't the main thing. <clears throat> it also reminds me of kind of how you go to the store and you're on a budget and you got the main brand and you got the store brand. And what's funny is, the, is people will tell you where the store hired the main brand to make the generic brand. So you're thinking, oh, this is going to be the same as this. And you take it home and open it and it's stiff, just like that. The enemy always want to give you a generic brand of God's truth. But not only does he market to you, not only does he molest you, he finally, this is the phase he wants you in, mastery. He wants to master you. Lock you into a long-term bondage. Satan, like a roaring lion, is going around seeking whom he may devour. And so when we look at us not being, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11, that we're not ignorant of the enemy's schemes. I believe in this season we are. We are not to be. Because the only way to know and see beyond the mastery, I mean the, 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 uh, 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 the marketing, the molestation, and the mastery, you have to know the content of it beyond the view of it. If you don't learn how to have some biblical discernment, you'll fall for anything. And so he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What, what do we wrestle against? We, we struggle against the rulers, against authorities, <clears throat> against cosmic powers of, this is interesting, this darkness. Against evil forces in the heavens. Interestingly enough, <clears throat> you have to understand that Satan's kingdom is organized. The, the, some will make you believe that these aren't different functions of different spirits. You have the sons of God on top. You have Satan on top. You have sons of God under him over different regions. You have all different types of spirits. Then you have demons. You have them all layered. And within them, there's different ranking. He's organized against you. Now, there are people in, in America that don't believe demons exist anymore because the manifestations aren't as overt anymore. One of my mentors said this week, he said, Eric, he says, in sophisticated societies, Satan hides in systems. <laughs> some of y'all going to get that on the way home. He said, in less sophisticated societies, he works through people. And, 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 I, and I said, I believe in these sophisticated societies, as things grow worse for Jesus' return, 
the two will be both and. You'll see Satan in systems and you'll see Satan in people. And more and more as we move on, family of God who need to put on their armor, you better be ready for what's happening and what's about to come. It says in verse 13, he said, for this reason, you got to put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Somebody say, what's the evil day? Is it the tribulation period? So we don't need it to then. I said, no, the, the, the evil day is any day that don't feel right. <laughs> the evil day is any day that, 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 that the devil is working in and around you. The evil day. So he says, stand. Therefore, <coughs> with truth <coughs> like a belt around your waist. It's interesting. Interesting. Truth is here, Paul is picturing, of course, we know some of us a Roman soldier. And he pictures truth as being a belt. That belt on the Roman soldier <coughs> is the one who holds things together. In other words, when you have the belt of truth on, it keeps your stuff tucked right, it keeps your sword sheathed correctly and very accessible. But we live in a time where people don't want no truth. People don't want truth. We live in an age where it's getting harder and harder to tell people the truth. We live in a time where you can't tell people nothing. Everything is a judgment, not nothing. Nothing is, but you can say what you want all the time. You run in your mouth, but when we say something, then, then we being judgmental, but it's interesting to me, which what's hardest to me about this time when it comes to truth is that even believers will rebuke believers and call them judgmental if you tell them the truth. We're in a time where other believers will stab you instead of join you. We're living in a time where if a believer calls out something in the world, there are other believers that want to be such a friend of the world that they beat up on the believer for calling out the evil instead of joining them to call out. Again. And I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm not talking about being judgmental. I'm talking about there's a time where your little soft self got to stand. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But, but, but we, 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 we got we to gotta now begin to be willing to lose something. We, we, we're, we, we've been in these seasons <clears throat> where we're trying, and there, there are times like Nehemiah, there are times like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishai, and Azariah, where you have to, you have to, you have to choose your battle. There, there are times when you're in spaces where it's not expedient. Even Jesus said, my time has not come yet. Jesus didn't say everything. He told people, don't tell them this, my time hasn't come. In other words, there is timing sometimes, but some of y'all, it's just never the time. It's always, I'm just building a relationship. But at some point, you're going to have to be a bulwark of God's truth in the world. Then it says, after that, it says, put on. It says, after it says, put on truth as your belt. Righteousness like armor on your chest. That righteousness like armor on your chest. It's to cover your heart. The Bible says, watch over your heart with all diligence, 
for from it follows the issues of life. Most people look at that verse and think you're protecting yourself from what's on the outside. But it's also to protect what comes out of your heart as well from others. And so when we talk about the breastplate of righteousness, it's about truth and us guarding our hearts in what is true and what is functionally just and what we are to commit our lives to as believers in protecting ourselves and making sure that we're not taking on worldly forms of righteousness and worldly forms of commitment and substandard things, wanting to be friend of the world, but saying, I I'm going to protect my commitment to being righteous, walking in purity in every area of life. I want to focus more on a couple of other one of these. I want to focus on this one. And your feet sandaled with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Let's settle here for a minute. This one is important today. We're putting on the full armor of God, but today I really want to settle on this one. Because the image of the gospel here is of the Roman soldier had on shoes, boots, or sandals, if you will. And they had spikes under them. And the reason why those spikes or cleat pieces were under it is because sometimes when you're a soldier, you have to walk in some hard places to fight. And so the, the, the bottom was to protect and even propel and hold the soldier in place no matter how hard the soldier was in battle, they were able to be stabilized and able to stand and fight. Can I be honest with you? It's time for us to learn how to walk through hard stuff. We, we live in an era of soft Christians. Everybody got quiet on that part. We live in an era of everything makes you run. Let me see if I can make it plain. Um, you're in a situation where you feel like you're supposed to be. And you experience a microaggression. Now, y'all can get mad at me. And you run. But I, I, like when I think back though, to like the OGs, like, like we're super sensitive. Like I, I'm, I'm by myself. I mean, like everything puts you in counseling. Some of the stuff people are saying happened to them, it wasn't trauma. It's called life. And because, but the reason why it feels like trauma is because you never put on your armor. I mean, when I think about Frederick Douglass, Sojourner Truth, I said truth. I mean, when I think of Harriet Tubman with a torch at night, yeah. with people behind him hiding in bushes saying, shh, like most of us wouldn't have made it. Like somebody say to you, 
If somebody say, man, why do you have a shape up? Oh, that's a microaggression. <laughs> somebody touch your hair, which they shouldn't. That's a microaggression. That's a microaggression. I'm going to put in a file on a complaint. Uh, uh, I need to go to counseling. And I'm like, dude, like we have to. I know that there are times we need to deal with what our area is, but we're soft. And what it tells me is we aren't compatible to be able to walk. Because I'm going to tell you right now, things are going to get harder before it gets better. And listen, I think counseling is good, but counseling doesn't do everything. You better hear me. I know black people just discovered counseling in the 2000s. We just discovered it. White people have been like, we've been going to counseling. You know, we've been going. Welcome, you know. They're like, welcome with us. And we just found it. We're like, oh, we're counseling. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus, for counseling. But counseling is not the armor of God. It points out where you need to place it. But it was never, some of y'all's counseling is your functional savior. Matter of fact, you don't go to Jesus, you only go to counseling. And some stuff isn't a counseling issue. It's you need to put on your armor. You need to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace and say, I don't like this job, but I'm supposed to be here. Everything that's hard is an opportunity to run. You need to grow up. If a relationship gets hard, you run. If a family gets, if the marriage gets hard, you, you, you can't run from every hard thing. You were built in Jesus for hard stuff. <coughs> this, all of this soft Baby pamper Christianity. All of this mush, isomil, similac. All of this porridge Christianity. Cream of wheat, oatmeal, soft Christianity. Listen, things aren't going to be pretty. One day there's not going to be media to make things look nice. One, thing there's, one day there's not going to be a worship team. One day it's not going to be a website. Everything's going to be shut off. What kind of Christian are you going to be then? <coughs> Our buildings are going to be closed and locked off and, and, and taken. What are you going to do then? Things are going to change and it's only going to get worse. And God has built you for this. And we have been built for this. I believe that God has so much for us to move forward in. Verse 16. In every situation. <laughs> the, the Bible's crazy. In every situation I'm going to keep these simple take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one interesting they would soak their shields so that when flaming arrows came they would get extinguished 
I, I was going through some crazy things over the last few weeks and I was getting hit. And I read this passage and the Holy Spirit almost jumped off the text to me and says, stop waiting for arrows to shoot before you pick up the shield. Somebody going to get that on the way home. It says in every situation. Listen, the devil, his arrows were made to puncture and burn. It was made to hit you in different areas of your life. Puncture it and set it on fire and get rid of what God wants to place in you. That's why many of us are in such emotional anguish because we've been hit with arrows of Satan's words and it's festering and we're having a very, very, very hard time. And it's time for you to go to those places where you've been hit, pull the arrows out and soak. Soak your shield in the presence of God. <laughs> soak it. That means you're gonna have to take at least one time a week just one when well, you're not in a rush and that you have your own worship service at home. If you can't sing, pull you out something and turn it up real loud so you won't hear yourself. Huh? And sing. I, but, but sometimes I had to go get the old stuff. I, I know the whole, all the new stuff and everything sounded like you know, but I had to go back and give me some Mississippi mass the other day. And I got, I got me some hold on old soldier. Never give up. I, I, you, you need something like that. I, I went and got the soul children of Chicago. <laughs> Work out for the good of them who love to see y'all don't know nothing about none of that. <laughs> I had to get back some old heads and go back all of my life. I never know you to fail. You remain the same. And sometimes that repeat, repeat, repeat stuff. Listen, I, I, I had to go back and grab some Daryl Coley sovereign. Ain't nobody gonna talk back to me. And, and, and I don't know what happens when you change your garments. The Bible says, for the spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. Now, I know some of you men are looking at me funny. I ain't trying to call you out, but some of y'all need to know it's not sissified to be a worshiper. <laughs> I got to move on. But I'm letting you know, no slander on that word I use. Just a term that men use to try to emasculate one another. The helmet of salvation, eternal security. All that the Father gives to me shall come to me, and the one that comes to me I shall certainly cast out. And by this you know you have eternal life and life in the Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. You need some verses. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not that of works is a gift of God that no man should both. You have to have some words that help you remember that you can't lose yourself. Put your helmet on, family member. And then it says ending. I love this. 
pray at all times in the spirit. <laughs> you, you have to learn. Somebody said, what does that mean? Speaking in tongues, it could. Alone. But it can also mean in the sphere of the spirit. What does that mean? Praying God's word back. God will do what his word says, not just what your heart desires. So you got to learn to pray God's word. And every, listen, God doesn't just hear these type of prayers because we have a prayer culture that thinks somebody got a one through because of how people around them communicate emotionally while that person is praying. Listen, I believe that fervent prayer isn't just how loud you get. Fervent prayer is just intensely believing God. It's interesting when Jesus was before Lazarus, he didn't yell. He says, oh, father, I'm glad that you didn't reveal these to babes. When the prophets of Baal were all around Elijah, he said, he said he kneeled down and just said, oh, Lord. And as he began to pray, God works through prayers that themselves in a place to functionally know that no one can work it out but God but I believe this is that we're entering a different time and see God believes in deconstruction and reconstruction <laughs> I'm getting out of here Jesus dying on the cross was him Deconstructing our sin. Him getting up from the grave was him reconstructing our faith. And if you know anything about the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15 says that the resurrection of Jesus Christ set was a seed that went in the ground. <laughs> and when it comes out of the ground, it bears fruit. That fruit is the reconstruction of the universe. But before the realization of the deconstruction of the universe, because you know the universe is going to be deconstructed. Did you know that? And it's going to be a process. But before then, Pentecost broke forth the last days. Then Paul in 1, Peter, 1 Timothy chapter 4 says later times. Then he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 4 that there will be last of last times where people will be reevaluating the truth and leaving the truth. All of this is movement towards ultimate deconstruction. And then one day, I don't care what your eschatology is, this is where I stand. There will be a time when the lamb will break some seals. And those seals are going to cause some things to happen. And then they're going to be trumpet judgments and bold judgments. And all of these different things is going to be angels who are at the four corners of each hemisphere. There is a level of evil that God has never let in because if he let evil fully exist in us fully live in our depravity, we destroy everything. So God had to put in, even with our sinfulness, defense measures to stop Satan from being as satanic as he actually wants to be. But one day he's going to say, angel number one, move. 
and he's going to open a door and the floodgates of evil are going to come through that door. And then at some point he's going to say, angel number two, move. That angel is going to move. Another group of floodgates is going to come through. And then he's going to say, angel number three, move. Another floodgate of issues are going to come in. And then lastly, the fourth hemisphere open up and then it's going to be, it's going to be pandemonium on the planet. And then one day, as things are as bad as they get, the souls of the martyrs are going to be under God's throne. They're going to say, when are you going to avenge us, Lord? Revelation says, and the father is going to say, now. And Jesus is going to look at the father. Father's going to look at him. He's going to say, it's time, son. And Jesus is going to stand up from his throne. And he's going to hold out his arms. And they're going to put his armor on that he really doesn't need. It's just for show. So he puts on his armor. And as he puts on his armor, he's going to say, and a horse is going to ride up to the front of the throne. Then he's going to ride on the horse. And when he gets on the horse, it's going to be a tat on his neck that only him and his daddy knows. But it means faithful and true. And he's going to turn around. And then all of a sudden, he's going to stretch. You know when somebody about to get in a fight, a good fight, they just stretch it all out. He's been sitting on the throne for a while, so he has to stretch a little bit. And then they're going to say, here's your weapon. He says, I don't need that. I got it right here. And then all of a sudden, the third heaven is going to open, and the second heaven is going to open, and the first heaven is going to open, and then a cloud is going to come under the feet of the horse. And then he's going to gallop. And then the heavenly hosts are going to get their, uh, their stuff and they're going to mount their, uh, so their, their horses. And all of them are myriad of soldiers. They're going to go, Jesus is going to say, ah! And all of them going to say, ah! And they're going to go battle. And they're going to battle to earth and they're going to come to earth. And all of a sudden, people are going to get scared. The sun is going to go black. The moon is going to go black. But then, they, then there's still light for some reason. It's because he decided to take off his hood. And he shines bright as the morning and then what's going to happen is he's going to cause those who are on earth to meet him in the air and those who are with him are going to go back into the graves and come out and resurrect and meet them in the air new bodies and we're going to be out there looking at each other said i haven't seen you in a long time this is the day we've been waiting for this is grandma i see you now uncle sammy i see you now oh this is what we've been talking about we're gonna all be in our war clothes all be in our war clothes and then jesus is going to cause the sea to give up his dead and we're going to judge them with the savior He's going to throw them in the lake of fire with Satan and the false prophet. What's going to happen is then he's going to say it's time. Second Peter chapter three will say the heavens and earth will burn with intense heat. I never saw this before. In second Peter chapter three, it says the heavens plural. When you go to Revelation 21, it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? We're going to see the recreation of all things. Jesus, right before our eyes, is going to deconstruct the universe and reconstruct it right before our eyes. 
And so until then, I think we can battle just a little longer. I think you could put on your armor just one more time. I think you can fight it out just a little bit longer. But I don't want you to forget that earth is temporary. The Bible calls what we're going through light and momentary. It's hard, but it's light. The Bible said, but it says it produces glory. Hey, y'all, God's got this through us. I know you've been through a lot through the pandemic. Hang in there. I know your marriage is hurting. Hang in there. I know it's, I, I, I empathize with the fact it's hard to be single. Hang in there. I know things are falling apart. I know you're under emotional stress. Hang in there. And while you're doing so, the only way you're going to make it is you decide to be a soldier. Be who you were called to be. And my prayer is that we'll fight together because the goal is not to fight alone. This is a group of people who are fighting together. Father God, help us to walk in your grace to fight together. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. I want to pray for you. If you want to place your confidence in the one who died on the cross for our sin and was raised up. Somebody says, well, why does he have to die for my sin? Because same thing as earthly currency. We the paper that we use for money and the coins don't make sense. But it's the ordained mechanism of trade. God's ordained mechanism of trade is a life for a life. And Jesus' blood was so powerful that it wasn't just a life for a life, it was a life for lives. And God accepted Jesus' death as currency to pay him to extinguish his wrath through Christ's death, rather. That means God's anger towards us. Not only anger, but also to give us victory. It's both atonement and victory. It's not just so that sins can be forgiven. It's also so we may be raised to newness of life. He wants you to be raised to newness of life. If you're here and you want to place your confidence in Jesus or you're online, hold your hand up. We'd love to talk to you more about what it means to place your confidence in Jesus. Is there one, like the church used to say this morning, is there one, is there one that will place their confidence in Jesus for the first time? If you're in, the, if you're in online, our search team will be on there for you. For my believers, if you need prayer about putting your war clothes on because you're tired, come on up so I can pray for you. Would love to. Would love to. You say, I want to I wanna put on my war clothes. I just want prayer. I want prayer. I see y'all. I want prayer. If you're going through warfare and you know you need to, you've been like, Lord, I'm tired. And God is like, I, I, want, <laughs> I know you are, but you still got to put on those clothes.
You're saying, Lord, I'm tattered. I'm in a lot of pain. God says, I still want you to put on your war clothes. I see y'all coming. Come on in just a little more so the people on the edges can come in. I see y'all coming. I'll wait for you. I see you coming. I see all y'all coming. We'll wait for you. Wartime. Wartime. Some of you saying, yeah, pastor, you're right. I've been walking soft. It's time for me to to woman up, to man up and to treat this like a battle. Treat this like a battle, brothers and sisters in Christ. I know you don't see yourself as a warrior, but you're a born warrior. (laughs) You are a born fighter. When you got saved in Christ, you automatically became a soldier in his army. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.